is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show. Hope you're having a great Friday already. That's right. We're here. We're here. We're here. It is Friday, February 10th, 2023. I'm Santita Jackson. It's a joy to be with you today. Got a lot to talk about. Our special guest today is Congressman Ro Khanna. Ro Khanna, he's been here a couple of weeks ago, but he has some uh, personal emergency. We're so glad that everybody is doing well in his family, and we're so glad that we'll be able to hear from him today as he tells us about how he's going to work with these, with this new Congress that is just really in two. It's just cleaved everybody. And will he run for the Senate? Will he run for the presidency? Will he run for both? Diane Feinstein's seat is about to be a progress in the state of California. And uh, did you hear about what happened down in Memphis with the officers involved and those involved in the Tyree Nichols case? Well, it turns out we heard a couple of weeks ago that there were some texts that were sent of essentially a dying Tyree Nichols. It was denied. No, no one would do that. Well, actually, it did happen. So let me talk about that. What does that mean? What does it mean uh, that this officer not only took a picture of this man as he lay dying, he then he sent it to several other people. Mm. And then, of course, Rice Green has written a wonderful piece about the Ukraine. And in fact, that is what we've heard from Seymour Hirsch, one of the most esteemed journalists in all of journalism. It seems that the United States blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. What does that mean? Is that an act of war? Let's talk about that on the dot and Pete Jackson show. Uh, hey, everybody, in Chicago, it's going to be 39 degrees, partly cloudy. In Minneapolis, St. Paul, 29 degrees. It will be sunny. Congrats are in order. Patrick Mahomes is the league MVP. And guess who the second runner up is? That's right, Jalen Hurts. A wonderful piece on CNN that um, that highlighted the role that their fathers played in their lives. You know, oftentimes we hear, particularly of these black athletes who have had these fathers who have not been there. They're from these homes uh, that have been, they've been matriarched, if you will. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a great thing. But there are a lot of active black fathers. In fact, according to the CDC, from the age of, from birth to the age of five, the most active father in the United States of America is the black father. That's done in 2014 and 2016. Never hear about that. But both of these men give their fathers the credit for speaking them the men that they are. And I love that. I love that. It's wonderful to hear. And it's wonderful to see the fruit of their father's labors, everybody. So congratulations to them and who you got in the Super Bowl. I don't think we can lose. Kansas City, Philly. I'm so excited to see these young men playing in the Super Bowl. Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. I'm just going to have a good time. It's a long time coming to have two black quarterbacks playing in this Super Bowl. It's just a wonderful thing. Uh, I think of Joe Gilliam. I think of Ed Harris. I think of so many um, brilliant black quarterbacks who were relegated to other positions, to running back, uh, to to these offensive positions because the white coaches and the owners did not want to put them in positions of leadership because the leader on the team is the quarterback. 
And so now you see these men leading the way, leading brilliantly, and leading with black daddies. I'm not putting down the models, but goodness gracious, a child ain't in here by themselves. You know, mamas are not amoeba who split and have children. You've got to have a father. And I'm so glad to see this day come. Everybody in the NBA, the Nets 116, the Bulls 105, and the Timberwolves will be playing the Grizzlies tonight. In the NHL, the Golden Knights 5, the Wild 1, and the Coyotes will be playing Chicago. Well, there's a lot going on in this world. Let's go to Ukraine. Air raid sirens sounded across Ukraine this morning as officials warned of potentially widespread Russian missile attacks. The death toll in Turkey and Syria following the magnitude 7.8 earthquake is now over 21,000 people with thousands more missing. Oh, it is now one of the top 10 deadliest quakes in the world over the past 20 years, praying for all of the people of Turkey and Syria today. Former Vice President Mike Pence has been subpoenaed by the special counsel investigating Donald Trump and his role in the January 6, 2021 raid, or some people call it insurrection, on the Capitol, according to a source from CNN specifically. The special counsel's office wants Pence to testify about his interactions with then-President Trump leading up to the 2020 election and his interactions with the president, the then-president, on the day of the insurrection. Hmm. The CDC has added COVID-19 shots to the list of recommended routine vaccines for kids and adults. Quote, according to the author of the report from CNN, this means COVID-19 is now presented as any other routinely recommended, recommended vaccine is no longer presented in a special call out box as in previous years. And I have to ask Dr. Shanita Knightman about that. What is the difference between recommended and required, everybody? And for those people who refuse to get the vaccine and lost their jobs, will they be able to get the jobs back? Just a few questions that I have on the St. Peter Jackson Show. In the meantime, we've got the author of I See You, Sis, The Anointed, someone we wait for all week long to hear. Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams from the First Baptist Church in Bridgehampton, New York. It is a joy to be with you today, Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, as I welcome, uh, of course, all of my listeners at WCPT, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station and AM 950 radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota, and everybody, all my morning stars on the Santita Jackson and Friends Facebook page and the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel. Pastor Tisha Dixon-Williams, it is great hearing your voice, being with you, and getting good news from you today. <laughs> The honor and the joy is mine. Good morning, everyone. Certainly good morning, Santita. Always a joy to be with you all. So today, with everything going on in our lives and in our world, I know sometimes we can get frustrated, more specifically spiritually frustrated. We wonder sometimes that if prayer is the answer, how come prayer doesn't produce results of miracles as quickly as we expect them to? Um, I know a lot of times we wonder, are our prayers fruitful? Are our prayers falling on deaf ears? Simply because we don't see results right away and we don't hear an answer right away. I want to encourage somebody today to continue to press in their prayer life. 
You have been requesting, you have been beseeching, you have been asking for God, a higher power, to incline their ear to hear your prayers. I want you to know that your prayers today are not for naught. Your prayers will be answered even if they're not answered in a way that you expect. I always want you to be encouraged that your plan may not always be the best plan. But when I think about prayer, I think about apple picking. Right, apple picking. (laughs) Seems strange, but true. I live in a very rural area where in the fall seasons, everything is available to be picked, whether it's a pumpkin, a peach, a plum, a pear, a strawberry, a blueberry, and even apples. And so what I've learned about apple picking is that we can equate apple picking with prayer. Consider this. If you've ever gone apple picking, then you know that there are times when apples are just ripe for the picking. As a matter of fact, they're so ripe, you don't even have to pick them. Or rather, you don't pick them from the tree, but you can pick them up from the ground and fill your basket to the tilt because the apples are just there for your taking. But then there are other times when you actually have to pick the apple from the tree. But sometimes the most beautiful apple is right there, right within your reach. You don't have to exert yourself. You don't have to stretch. You just open your hand, and it seems like the minute you touch it, it falls off the branch, and into your basket it goes. But Santita and family, every once in a while, there's that one apple, that one elusive apple. You've had your eye on it from the time you came into the orchard. It just seems to be perfectly shaped. It seems to be glossy, and it looks delicious. It has a little leaf attached to it. Everything about this apple is appealing, and you've decided you want that apple. But the apple is really without, outside of your reach. And so what do you do? You begin to shake the tree (laughs) and shake the tree so feverishly that you're determined that apple is going to come down and you'll be able to put it in your basket. That's a lot like prayer. Every once in a while we'll pray. And it seems like the minute we pray the prayer before we can even say amen, before we can finish the request, it's right there at our feet, ready for us to grab it, enjoy it, and take it. But then every once in a while there's something that's a little bit further out of your reach. But it's easy enough. You've asked for it. may not happen immediately, but it happens. It comes to pass eventually. But then every once in a while, there's a prayer you have to pray that takes a little more shaking of the tree. But every once in a while, there's a prayer that maybe you have to be more diligent about, maybe more consistent about, and you've got to shake, 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 and be fervent in your prayer life for it to drop in your hand. So I want to tell somebody today, whether it's ripe for the picking, whether it's falling off the tree, or whether it seems like it's beyond your reach, just keep praying and keep pressing. Eventually, it'll come to pass and your basket will run over. And that's the good news. Amen. Amen. I mean, so... Low-hanging fruit. Where does that fit in? Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging that's apple. That's the, that's the fruit that you can just touch, and it just seems to fall in your hands. That's the one that's right there. You have to exert very little effort. But here's what I love about low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging fruit is usually the sweetest fruit. It's the one that's just about to drop, but it's hanging on. I find that while people may shun low-hanging fruit, low-hanging fruit is always usually the sweetest fruit. <laughs> and so people I know, they reach for the and they exert so much energy for something, but low-hanging fruit still works. I love it. I love it. I love it. How can we worship with you on Sundays? 
You can worship with us on Sunday First Baptist Church of Bridgehampton on YouTube every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We'd love to have you. Oh, amen to that. And how can we get your book, I See You, Sis? Head over to Amazon and just type in, do a search for I See You, Sis, Inspirations from Heroic Women of the Bible Hidden in Plain Sight, and it will be like that low-hanging fruit available to you with one touch of a button. <laughs> you know, hanging there for a hot second. You know, I, I just got this. Uh, right there. And you know, I try to respond to everybody when I when I can. You know, I can't respond to everybody individually because it's just just a lot to do during the show. Because I the show is produced by me, and so I'm keeping up with sure. the doing this, doing that, doing that. But you know, it's very interesting. Thomas Grasser said something, uh, and I want to respond to it because I think that we need to. He said, Mahomes is biracial, not black. Get your facts straight. His mom is white, as no. I'm descended from a long line of so-called biracial people. In fact, I was raised in large measure by relatives who appeared to be white, and they, they were called the in-lover, in-world lover, when they walked down the street with me and my siblings. And my father was taken to the University of Illinois by his Aunt Claire, who was a natural red head, and his Aunt Addie, who was a platinum blonde, blue eyes. They had a white father, and then before them, a white father, and then a before them, a white father, and on and on. That's not unusual. That is really part of black America. What's unusual about my great-great-aunt is that my great-great-great-grandfather was married to my great-great-great-no, my great-great-grandmother. My great-great-grandfather was married to my great-great-grandmother. It was illegal to do so. Black people have always had to make the choice to be, uh, we've never had the choice, shall I say, uh, to be anything other than black when you have a drop of black blood. What is curi- what, what arouses the curiosity of America now is not when you have indigenous blood, not when you are part Hispanic, because everybody in America can become white but black people. Mr. Mahomes can have a white mother all day long. He will always be considered a black quarterback. That is how he is introduced, and that is what people are saying beyond his magnificent skills is significant about him and this Super Bowl on Sunday, that he is a black quarterback and Jalen Hurts is a black quarterback. I just think it's tragic that many, many people will only acknowledge him or embrace him because he has a white parent. I have a friend who said, you know, I was treated one way in school. But when they found out my mother was white, they started being nicer to me. Even though he presented black. So, no, I don't buy into this whole biracial notion. You know, everybody has white parents. About five of my nieces and nephews have a white mother. And I embrace that. But they they are very clear that when they walk down the street, they are black boys. My niece is a black girl, and that is it. And that's how I stand on it. So you can have your opinions if one drop rule still applies. Ask a young man who was killed just outside of Minneapolis, St. Paul. He presented as a black man, and while he was talking to his white mother, the white police officer shot him and killed him. So there we have that. So, just had to say that. <laughs> you know, I'm just, um, I just speak at 100, Pastor and Dr. Shanina Knighton. You all don't have to get in that. That is 
I am. But Dr. Knighton, I want to ask you something. Yeah, no, 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 no. You know me. I just got to go right there. And I hear you, Mr. Grasser, and I say that with all love and respect. But I just, I'm just telling you how we read this on this side of the street. And if you present as a black person, you are a black person. The only people who can't pass, for, who, who are not allowed to cross the color line of black people. Everybody can be a, you can be a white Hispanic, you can be white anything, but you can't be white and black at the same time. You got to make a choice. And those black people who make a choice to pass, pass right on out of black America. And then they find out today when they do 23 and Me that they got a white, they have black four, four parents because their parents passed and had to leave their whole families behind. That's real. And that is the price that, the, that America makes black people pay for having black blood, blood, not indigenous blood, not any other blood, but black blood. That seems to be the problem. It's not a problem for me. I'm not tragically black. I'm triumphantly black. Now, feed on that. Now, I have a question for you, Dr. Knighton. As we are going into uh, May 11th, where the emergency, the COVID-19 emergency is ending, uh, now COVID-19 vaccines are being added to the list of recommended vaccines, not required, recommended. That seems like that's quite a change in the approach to COVID, what are we to do with that as we're seeking to be healthy and prevent infection? <laughs> you know, I mean, are we now looking at COVID as just another routine infection? So the thing is, good morning. Um, the issue is, is when we talk about vaccines just within themselves, um, we know, of course, like we just entered into this pandemic about 2020. And so naturally with, um, honestly, like the vaccine still undergoing testing, also to, I would say, um, information about what is the best approach in order to vaccinate people, meaning we know that um, variants have been moving targets, right? And we know that things have been changing. And so we've been behind the eight ball for some time. And so now that they are starting to understand more about COVID, how do you then start to provide vaccinations for potentially what may be predicted? And how do we know what's predicted? We're looking at trends just as we did, you know, when um, things came from Wuhan, when we know that Australia may have had it. We're able to look at the kind of strains that they have over there and be able to predict that potentially these strains may be what is coming here, similarly to what we do for flu every year when we anticipate um, how we should vaccinate. So I believe that recommended is simply because we understand that everything is still in testing and things are still in the process of being figured out. Yes, while data does show that um, vaccines have been effective or the COVID-19 vaccine has been effective in reducing symptoms, um, it is also very challenging to still ignore some of the challenges of the vaccine with certain populations, which also has not been kind of flushed. It hasn't been flushed out. So I can see why the recommended is there opposed to required because there's still so much work that needs to be done in this area. Mm, no, that's important. I mean, if someone is going, I've got less than a minute. Um, well, you know what? Next week, I, you know, I, I think we should talk about I talk about that more extensively um, because um, I think that's really important. But you know, there are. 
some workplaces that still require it, while the government is saying, no, it's recommended. It, it's, you know, we have these uneven approaches to all of this. But Dr. Shanina Knight and everybody, hey, Dr. Nina, hey, Dr. Nina, go on, follow her in social media. You're going to get some great information. I know I have. I know I have. And Pastor Tisha Dixon Williams, I see you, sis. Go on and get that book. Let it bless you. Let's talk with Bryce Green from Fairness and Accuracy in Reporting about uh, the findings that he and Seymour Hurst, one of the most esteemed journalists in all of journalism. Uh, it, it has now been admitted that the United States blew up the Nord Stream pipeline. Who felt for that? Back with more of the Santita Jackson Show in just a minute. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Everybody, welcome back to the Santita Jackson Show. For those of you who are watching us on YouTube and Facebook, you know you got me caught on something. Ooh, uh, <laughs> but I'm all good, and we're all good. That having been said, I can't wait to see the Super Bowl on Sunday. Now, and Rihanna's going to perform for the first time in seven years. That'll be, I, I know she's going to be great. All right, everybody, let us talk about Ukraine. Before we get over to Ukraine, as we talk with Bryce Green, um, he and Seymour Hirsch, one of the most esteemed journalists in the world, are on the same page, as are many from all around the world. America, well, we're going to talk about the Nord Stream pipeline <laughs> and who blew it up. Yeah. And the and the silence of the American press with respect to it. Got to talk about it. Call me at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPT. In the meantime, Chappelle, from Celebrations by Us, has a big event coming up in March, and she needs your support. She's going to be able to help send some children to college uh, who otherwise would not be able to go. Chappelle, what's going on in March? Yes, Santita, thank you so much. The Courtney Copeland Memorial Foundation is holding our annual gala fundraiser, and all the funds raised are basically helping all of our children go to college. We give scholarships away every August, right before school starts, and this helps raise money for that particular project. And basically with the Courtney Copeland Foundation, we are sending kids to school and who otherwise wouldn't be able to go. And like I was saying before, Santita, one of the the things that I put this together because Courtney couldn't go because we couldn't afford it. And so now we're doing this in his honor to make sure that no child is left behind. So if everyone can give us a uh, a call at 708-628-7734 to purchase a ticket or visit us at www.copelandmemorial.com, www.copelandmemorial.com. And if you can't personally attend, please consider uh, supporting a family who has lost a child. And we're we're actually uh, donating some of the tickets that we have received donations for to those families who cannot afford to go, but they're going to come out and, and, and have a nice time at the, uh, the gala. So,
So uh, please support us at www.copelandmemorial.com. That's going to be on March 3rd, and that's at 7 p.m. at the JLM Community Center, 2622 West Jackson in Chicago. Thank you so much. Real quick, are you taking any more orders for the Super Bowl? No more orders for the Super Bowl. Um, <laughs> we are we are completely full. <laughs> well, you know, I tried. I tried. I tried. But you know what? This is very important, everybody, getting these kids to school. So please, 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 please. Um, are you going to have information on Celebrations by Us website about this? Yes, and but you can also go to www.copelandmemorial.com, okay. and it's right there as soon as you go there. Well, you know, let's link them there through Celebrations by us, since so many people know that. But, you know, copelandmemorial.com, everybody. All right, Shapiro, it's wonderful hearing your voice. Always happy Super Bowl. Everybody, let's talk Hello, about Rihanna. Well, uh, go Rihanna. Bless Sarah Chance has performed in how many years? In seven years. That's unbelievable. Unbelievable. Uh, she and her umbrella. And now she's a mom. Bless her heart. And so I'm sure it's going to be a great, great Super Bowl. Let's just hope that they keep the sat- satanic uh, references out of the Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I go right there. Because I see a lot of stuff that makes me go, are you serious? What's, all, what's, the, what's the fire going to come out the ground for? What's that? And all, you know, at the, at the Grammy, somebody was wearing devil's horns. I'm like, what, what, do you, what are you, what does this have to do with the music? Yeah, I'm right there, everybody. I think this is crazy. And I think there's a lot of wickedness out here. And we just need to call it out and stomp and stomp it out. Yes. So I want something nice and fresh and lovely. There you go. And what you want, you should really know about Ukraine is a very important thing. But you know what you really should know about the Nord Stream pipeline. There are a lot of myths surrounding the blowing up the pipelines and protecting Nazis. And no one has been on top of this more. Uh, than Bryce Green. You said Facebook is protecting Nazis. Now, I'm going to tell you, when you want to talk about peace or really some very progressive ideas, you can get blocked from Facebook from Meta uh, real quick, PDQ, in a hurry. But, you know, the Azov Battalion, I don't I don't get it. They are, they're Nazis. I'm like, are these the bad guys? <laughs> but we're honoring them and all of that? Oh, you got to help me with this. You know, what is Meta doing with respect to the Azov Regiment and what happened with Nord Stream? I mean, because you see, I'm going to start, I'll get to what, you know, Seymour Hirsch and all of that. But what is Meta doing? Because you know progressives get blocked and your algorithms get jammed up on Meta on Facebook all the time. Bryce, what's up? Well, thank you for having me on, Santita. Uh, one of the main things about this war that's uh, not unique to this war, but has been ramped up to the extreme, is the degree to which narratives are being policed and controlled by especially the tech companies that govern a lot of the speech that uh, that we have in our society. Um, and last month, Meta, Facebook's parent company, um, you know, which also owns Instagram, 
They recently removed the Azov Battalion from their list of dangerous organizations. Now, the Azov Battalion, like you said, is a neo-Nazi. You know, even the New York Times uh, years ago, back when they were uh, reporting honestly about these guys, they called them a neo-Nazi paramilitary. Um, And this paramilitary has been uh, officially adopted into the Ukrainian armed forces. And, you know, a lot of those guys are... Uh, at the forefront of the public relations campaigns. Uh, in fact, one of these guys was even hosted in Disney World by uh, John Stewart, a liberal icon. Uh, and so what Facebook is doing is essentially relaxing restrictions even more than they already have on what is essentially a hate group uh, that uses Nazi symbols, uses Nazi salutes. Uh, and what Facebook is doing is saying that since this organization is now part of the official Ukrainian military, uh, they are distinct from the Azov movement, which is wh- where they grew from. Well, what this actually does is just a lot, it normalizes a lot of the Nazi imagery that we're seeing uh, promoted as part of the Azov battalion. Uh, now, I want to be clear, the entire Ukrainian army is not Nazis. Uh, their government is not Nazis. Um, but the far right, and neo-Nazis especially, do have an outsized influence in the country. Uh, and if we're really going to be serious about what's going on in Ukraine, we have to confront the fact uh, that far-right influence will spread around the world. I mean, there was even a movement of U.S. white supremacists who were going to go train with the Azov Battalion to take their skills back to the United States in the event of a, a civil war. Uh, so this is a very serious issue, and I don't think Meta made the correct decision here. I, I know I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out how the Azov Battalion, how the narrative changed, how they got cleaned up. Um, you have different people who utter or who, or who speak, you know, who are, who are who are clearly anti-Semitic, and you hear that that is part of their narrative. But you have full-on Nazis, neo-Nazis, and we not we're not hearing anything about it anymore. I mean, in fact, they got the highest award from the Ukrainian government from President Zelensky. I mean, I don't. I'm trying to figure out how this works. I mean, it just seems quite selective. Or am I? Am I missing something? You're not imagining anything. It's been that exact way. Um, If if you go back to before 2022, uh, the U.S. press and the rest of the world press was reporting pretty clearly about the dangers of neo-Nazism in Ukraine. Uh, In fact, the U.S. Congress even recognized that this was a neo-Nazi battalion and actually uh, added an addendum to the uh, authorization for military force uh, that would prevent any of the aid that we sent to Ukraine from going to the Azov Battalion because they're Nazis. Now, officials on the ground later reported that there was no real way to enforce that and that this was mostly symbolic. But if the U.S. Congress is willing to admit that these guys are Nazis, what is stopping the Western press from saying that same thing now? And, and the reason they're not doing that, uh, and there's a, there is a clear logic to it, Western audiences... Uh, have to support the war in Ukraine. That is the seems to be the overriding goal of American media coverage about the topic. Anything that portrays Ukraine in a negative light has to be uh, denounced. Uh, and people even called uh, 
the fact that Azov Battalion are Nazis, they've called that a conspiracy theory. And they've called that Putin propaganda. Uh, but this is very real. It's a very real fact. And the uniformity with which the media simply dropped this topic and has simply gone along with the official line that everything's fine uh, is pretty astounding. It really ought to be uh, discussed in detail because the narrative management of this war will come back to bite us in the butt sometime when the reality becomes too harsh to deny. Uh, well, people are going to be trying to figure out what happened. Now, I made a joke post a little bit ago about how maybe in 10 years, The Atlantic will write an article about how U.S. policy in Ukraine had empowered neo-Nazis in Western Europe. And I suspect that something like that may happen in the future. You know, it's very interesting. I mean, because we forget that during the Second World War, the United States and Russia were allied. And... um and that the Russians lost tens of millions of people to the Nazis. So they have a vested interest in not seeing the Nazis reassert themselves, not seeing the Nazis grow. And so to call this Putin propaganda, I just, I don't understand it. When they, when their insignias, tell us what's special about their insignias, their signage and, you know, the patches they wear. Well, there are several uh, symbols that they use and appropriate that are direct variations on Nazi symbols. Uh, the the Wolf's Angel, the official Azov logo, is uh, it's about 80% of a swastika. It's almost there. Um, and the, the black sun that they have, it was actually seen on the Buffalo Shooter's uh, attire when he was uh, shooting up a, a, a Jewish community. It was also seen on the New Zealand Christchurch shooter who was wearing it on his backpack or his flak jacket when he went to go shoot up uh, several mosques. Uh, This is, I think, 2019 or 2018. Uh, And even at the time, this was reported. Like, these are symbols that are commonly used by the Azov Battalion. Um, And so the neo-Nazi or the Nazi imagery runs deep. Uh, especially in this society where the neo-Nazis were supported, in fact, by the United States government, both uh, in in the wake of World War II. Um, And so this is a very real problem that has a direct line to U.S. action. And if we're not able to confront that, then we risk a a dangerous situation in the future. Yeah, because we're watching a rise in anti-Semitism in the United States. And um, and these people who are perpetrating anti-Semitism in the United States are being influenced by Azov Battalion and like-minded groups, not just individual groups. They're manifesting as individuals and as groups in the United States. This is very dangerous. But I don't hear them being denounced, Bryce. I mean, I just want to know where these with these organizations that routinely denounce anti-Semitism, and they should. They should. If, a direct, if, you, if anyone is discriminated against, everyone is in danger. But they don't touch them. And I don't understand that. To me, it's a very dangerous thing. As we watch the algorithms on Facebook, if you're a progressive, if you want to talk about peace, you can get blocked for a week or two. You can. You get suspended. But if you want to praise people who we know are neo-Nazis or Nazis, you know, uh, we we just we let them go on and 
and we enlarge them. And I just think I'm just trying to I'm trying to figure out what it is that we're doing. What I, what what is what is the end game here as you see it? Or do you see an end in sight for this? You said it will end up biting us. What do you mean by that? Well, what I mean by that is the the U.S. and Russia have created a very tense situation in Ukraine even before the war started, uh, or or even before the latest Russian invasion. Uh, for eight years, that country was embroiled in a simmering civil war that killed, you know, thousands of people. Uh, and this war has killed, uh, you know, their the estimates vary, but tens and scores of thousands of people. Uh, and what the U.S. is doing is making things, uh, making the temperature rise by pouring in billions of dollars of weapon systems, artillery, uh, armored vehicles, tracking equipment, and uh, other military supplies. Uh, and it was reported earlier last year that, you know, there is no uh, solid 100% mechanism for ensuring that all of this equipment gets to the front lines. And Ukraine is a notoriously corrupt country. Um, in fact, they just underwent a shakeup because of corruption scandals involving their military. And so the problem could be that uh, a lot of this equipment could fall into the hands of paramilitary actors uh, even after the war and then could spread all around Europe, all around uh, the rest of the world. And in fact, we're seeing this in Africa, in the uh, in uh, West Africa. Some West African leaders are saying that we have received weapons from you or we have we have seen weapons from the U.S shipments to Ukraine appear in our country in the hands of terrorists, in the hands of uh, paramilitary groups. So this is just a classic example of U.S. blowback, that this could bite us in the behind. If we're not serious about uh, any oversight, if we're not serious about finding peace as soon as possible, if we're not serious about confronting the actual neo-Nazi paramilitaries on the ground. Mm, we're talking with Bryce Green, Bryce Green, a fairness and accuracy in reporting. Um, there are a lot of myths going on out here um, just about what is happening in this war as we give them money, 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 money all the time, all the time. Just we've given them tens of billions of dollars, I think, uh, certainly uh, several months ago. It was more than $67 billion, but it's much, much more than that. And let me just answer you, Matt. I just sent you a text. You said, have you had Malcolm Nance on the program? Many, many times. The last time I spoke with him, though, he was on his way to Ukraine to fight. In the last photograph I saw of him, he was in military gear, helmet on, all of that. And he was in Ukraine fighting. And I thought about him this morning, and I certainly am praying for him. I'm gonna, I'll reach out to him and, and see if he's back. Um, I will have him on. I, you know, I mean, I I just want to, you know, Matt, I just want to know the truth. I want to know the truth. And just coming out of the civil rights movement, just so that you know, I'm someone, I'm not a skeptic, but I am someone, or you could call me skeptical, I, but, you know, before when everyone was, was celebrating J. Edgar Hoover, my family knew who he, knew who he was. Dr. King's family, Malcolm X's family. I mean, that's that's my group. We knew who they. We knew who they. We knew who he was. 
because he was harassing us and the people we worked with. And many people we knew were just popping up dead or they were getting killed. When Fred Hampton was killed, the lie that the media perpetuated, Matt, was that he and Mark Park, his bodyguard, were engaged in a shootout with the police. But thanks be to God, his lawyer, G. Flint Taylor, went to the apartment the next day. And all of the bullets were facing inward. And they had to and they had to fight to have the press tell the truth. Indeed, it was the police who shot their way into his home. They shot Fred Hampton multiple times, scores of times, and he did not die. They dragged him out of the bed as his eight and a half month pregnant fiance ran out in the snow in her pajamas, trying to save her life. And when they saw that he was living, they stood over him laughing. As he pleaded for help and the, and the police from the Red Squad shot and killed him. And this same Red Squad was sent to kill my father in the person of someone who was very, very close to us. So pardon me when I ask questions. That is just how I was raised and it's been my experience. And I think you need to ask questions too because we need to know what's going on. If you want to talk about peace... You will have a hard time in social media. Either you're getting trolled by people or you're getting booted off of social media. That happened to Norman Solomon, one of the most esteemed Bryce progressives over the past 50 years. He started talking about peace. They blocked his article and they blocked him from Facebook. I'm like, what's going on here? And how is it that everyone, the United States Congress, the New York Times, all of these institutions acknowledge these folks as Nazis. When you look at their symbols, these are it's very clear they are they are Nazi inspired. And yet they're heroes. I can't pull for someone who pulls for Hitler. I can't do it. So you gotta you gotta help me with this one. You you've got that. Help me with this one because something is not right here. And then, you know, one of these days we've got to talk about the Nord Stream pipeline. Because Seymour Hirsch, you know, has written about how America took out the Nord Stream pipeline. I just I just feel like I, I don't know if we're being dealt with honestly. And that is what oh, you're very welcome, Matt. Matt, thanks me for speaking about this. But, you know, because I because I've been unafraid to, to talk to Malcolm Nance, Matt and Bryce, because, you know, my dog in the hunt is truth. My dog in the hunt is peace. That's where I am. That's it. That's it. And that's why I bring this young man on, because I think that Bryce Green is courageous. He is a researcher. He is looking at the facts. And he is saying, this is what I'm finding. And when when you're scientific about something, you just input the information or whatever comes out. That's what comes out. Bryce, the last two minutes belong to you. Like I said earlier, the the importance of the information war, as uh, U.S. officials call it, um, is paramount in this war. You have to be able to manage the perceptions of the population uh, to make sure that they see the world in the way that you want them to see it. And our news media is an, uh, an important part of that entire machinery. And the way that they portray things like the Nord Stream Pipeline, the way that they portray things like the Azov Battalion, you know, it matters. It matters because that's how people understand the world. And if they distort things, 
Well, then people are really getting a false view of things. People are getting, uh, uh, you know, shadows in Plato's cave. And it's only through alternative media that we can actually get a clearer picture of the world. And then we can advocate for the policies that we need. And we can advocate against the policies that we uh, uh, that we hate and that we that we disagree with. And in this case, I disagree. And I think your viewers should as well with the U.S. policy of escalating the war in Ukraine, with the U.S. policy of sending billions of dollars of weapons and with the policy of a refusal to negotiate. That's dangerous. Uh, Americans need to give peace a chance, and we can't do that if we don't know what's going on. And we can give peace a chance. If you want to break out into that song by John Lennon, that's fine with me. But I promise you, peace needs to have a dividend, everybody. We can't just go around building military installations in most of the world while the country is pumping. The American Society of Civil Engineers gives us a C or a D. We have bridges that are falling. Well, we're building bridges in other countries. Are you serious? We have a public school system that we can barely get funded. We have kids who need computers. We need the internet to be a public utility. And on and on and on and on. But everything is privatized in America. Everything has some cost attached to it. And we are starving, literally. Not just for information, but for food. But the only, the only part of government that gets a chance to keep their money and get more money without even asking for it is the Pentagon. And they call them the Department of Defense. What are they defending? They're not defending you. They're defending American corporations. All you need to do is go to Kabul and go to these go to these cities around the world. That is what they're doing. And that ought to bother you. Everybody, check out Bryce Green. I've, I've got to go to Hootsuite. Because I was trying to tweet all this stuff out, and Hootsuite's telling me everything is fail is failing to said. we got Ro Khanna coming up. Khanna, will he run for president? Will he run for the U.S. Senate? Will he do both? I don't know. Can't wait to ask him back in just a minute on the San Peter Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Santita Jackson Show, WCPT 820, the nation's largest progressive talk radio station, and AM 950 Radio, the voice of progressive Minnesota. And on YouTube, the Santita Jackson Show YouTube channel and Santita Jackson and friends over on Facebook. If you want to hear the show without the commercials, go to WCPTA20.com forward slash Santita. And call us at 773-763-9278, 773-763-WCPTA. I want to talk with you today. We're waiting to, we're trying to get Congressman Rokana up, but we also have another issue that we want to look at, Tyree Nichols. Yeah, the reason I bring him up is because it really is almost like a textbook case of police corruption. You know, there were rumors that uh, the pictures of the dying Tyree Nichols had been taken on a police officer's camera and had been forwarded to people. Uh, namely, um, an ex-girlfriend. Well, actually, I don't know if it was an ex-girlfriend, but certainly five people received the texts. So we got to talk about that. Got to talk about that. 
in just a few minutes. But I'm hoping that we will be able to get Congressman Kana on today because we do want to talk with him about various things. He might be running for president. He might be running for the U.S. Senate. He might be doing a lot of things, but he is working in a sharply divided Congress, and so we want to know how he's going to do that. So call me at 773-763-9278. I don't know if Pam is still there, but if she is, I promise you I will get right to you. 773-763-9278. Let's get to a few of the headlines. In Chicago, we're going to have a high of 37 degrees, partly cloudy. Minneapolis, 29 degrees and completely sunny. Congratulations are in order to Patrick Mahomes. He is the NFL MVP, the second runner-up, none other than Jalen Hurts. Uh, what a tremendous moment it would be to see Kansas City and Philadelphia face off, not only because they're great teams, but because for the first time you're going to have two black quarterbacks facing off against each other in the Super Bowl in the history of the 57 years of this championship of professional football, American professional football. This has never happened before. And so, and these gentlemen um, are mindful of this moment, and we are just very proud of them because they are also just great guys, right? They're just really, really nice guys who give so much of the credit uh, for them becoming the wonderful men that they are to their dads who were ever present in their lives and um, black fathers who love their children who are with them. That is not something that is rare. It is something that is commonplace. And I'm so glad to see that. But I think it's going to be a great game. Plus, Rihanna hasn't performed in public in seven years, and she's going to perform. So that's, that's going to be very interesting. Everybody, it ought to be great. In the NBA, the Nets 116, the Bulls 105, and the Timberwolves will be facing off against the Grizzlies tonight. And in the NHL, you have got... The Coyotes that will be playing Chicago and the Golden Knights, well, they were triumphant over the wild. Five to one. Woo, everybody, what a time, what a time. Uh, as the air raid siren sounded across the Ukraine this morning, officials warned of widespread Russian missile attacks. Explosions were reported in the Ukrainian held city. Um, a couple of cities, and we want to know, um, we know will be peace, everybody. You need to see those people dealing with so much trauma, so much trauma. The death in Turkey and Syria after this incredible 7.8 earthquake surpassed 21,000 people with thousands upon thousands more who are missing. This is now one of the top 10 deadliest quakes in the world over the past 20 years. Former Vice President Mike Pence has been subpoenaed by the special counsel investigating Donald Trump and his role on the January 6th, in the January 6th, 2021, insurrection at the Capitol, everybody. And the CDC has added, has added COVID-19 shots to the list of recommended routine vaccines for children and adults. This means that the COVID-19 vaccine is now presented as any other routinely recommended vaccine and is no longer presented in a special call-out box as in previous years. Indeed, uh, the move will help cope quote, to normalize the vaccine. Indeed, now it is recommended, not required. So what do you think about that, everybody? Let's talk about this. And, um, you know, I think that, I think Congressman Connor is, is, hasn't had another emergency. Oh, boy, I can't wait to get him at some point. Maybe we'll get him today. But if not, I want to know, uh, what did you think of what you heard from Bryce Green? What did you think about the normalization of the Azov Battalion? What do you think about the Chicago mayoral race? In fact, 
Rainbow Push will be having um, a mayoral forum tomorrow, starting at 10 o'clock at the New Beginnings Church. Pastor Corey Brooks, the rooftop pastor, will be our host. It's going to be fantastic. Uh, we're going to be doing this with ABC, and one of our hosts will be uh, young, uh, one of the great reporters from Fox 32 here in Chicago, but also on March 16th, if we have a runoff, and it seems that seems increasingly likely that we will. Um, we will be hosting another mayoral forum on March 16th um, with ABC. I cannot wait for that. But in the meantime, at least I think everyone but Mayor Lightfoot will be at this mayoral forum tomorrow. So you don't want to miss it. It's going to be it's going to be really, really exciting. It's a people's forum. We're going to be asking questions that you want to ask questions that the corporate media might just overlook. So I want you to I want you to call me at 773-763-9278. We have Jewel from New York. Jewel, what's on your mind, sweetie? Oh, she's not. Okay, she said she wanted to call, but she's just saying she's sorry. Okay. All right, everybody. Call me at 773-763-9278. Pam, are you going to be coming to the mayoral election, to the mayoral forum tomorrow at New Beginnings at 67th and Cottage Grove? Uh, Santita, I believe I am. Uh, I know I was going to do some political work, but I uh, haven't been able to really attend any forum. So I'm very interested um, in making that forum. Um, Santita, I want to make a comment about the mayor race, but also um, when you had Mr. Green on, I would be very interested in, in hearing a civil discussion and um I guess discourse, uh, not necessarily a debate, between Mr. Green and Mr. Mann. And um, because there are probably some things that I question that I don't know, uh, maybe some things I need to know, I don't know how to formulate the right question, but they seem to be on, I don't know if I want to say opposite sides of the issues, but they have different points of view. They are. They are. They they have different, completely different points of view. Well, you know, before you get into the mayoral race, they do have very different points of view. Um, And my views, you know, actually hew more closely to Bryce Greens because I think they're more truthful. Um, We have not been honest about how we got into this issue in Ukraine. I want you to pull out a map, and I'll try and post it, of all of the military installations surrounding Russia now. That was not the agreement that we set up with them. When we uh, united Germany, because, you know, you and I grew up under East Germany and West Germany, right? Um, Communist Germany and and so-called free Germany, whatever that's supposed to mean. And um, when they when they had a when they were reunited, America cut a deal with Russia and said, "Okay, NATO will not expand into eastward. We're, not, we, we're going to stay right where we are. And prompt, we promptly started expanding. That's a threat to their territorial integrity. We would not allow missiles 90 miles from our own coast. We would never allow Mexico to line up missiles and hostile forces on our border. And we certainly wouldn't allow that with, um, with Canada. And so I don't understand why we can't see that. And when I, I, I love Malcolm Nance, but, you know, he also, you know, I've, I am. I'm not an imperialist. I don't support imperialism. I don't support empire. I just don't. Um, we came over here on an imperial project. I don't support it. I do not. I. I don't. I don't. I don't. 
And what I want to do is look at the facts, Pam. Just look at the facts. Let's just deal with what happened, the deal that was cut, the deal that was um, that was breached. And um, and why can't we talk about peace? Why is that almost illegal in social media? When is well, this going to end? What, what that's like, that's a question I have also. Um, can peace be on the table? Uh, can peace be on the table when Putin has already, I guess, invaded or annexed other areas? Can peace still be negotiated? I'd like to think yeah, it so. can be. Yeah, well, let me tell you, America was the one that was telling Ukraine, was the, was the, company, was the country telling Ukraine, don't negotiate with them. How are you going to do that? Even Kissinger, who is nobody's peacenik, said you are not going to shoot your way out of war. And you know who else said that? President Zelensky. Everybody knows you have to negotiate your way out of war. And well, let the negotiations begin. Yeah. That's, that's, that's where they begin. And, you know, but we have pushed up against it because, you know, now, now our European allies are calling us war profiteers. Because you got to see who's making the money off the war. Always follow the money, Pam. Always follow the money. That is how we make money. We make money off a war. We don't. We don't even try to make money off a of peace, and I think it's shameful. Now I'm not going to back up off of that. I'll add more to it before I take anything away. I'm from the Dr. King, Reverend Jackson School. Okay, Andrew Young. I believe in peace. Well, I mean, it has to be. It has to be. It has to be. That's what I am, girl. I'm not, that's fine. No problems with that. No problems with that. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, also, you know, and don't talk to me about uh, don't talk to me about other people who do war when we do it better than anyone else, and that's all we do. Sure. And then you wonder about the bombs that we drop overseas. Doctor King said the bombs we drop in other countries would explode at home. Have we not become so violent? I mean, look at all the shootings at our schools with our children on the streets and our homes. You've got a prominent lawyer in from South Carolina. It is alleged that he killed his family. Who does that? All you have to do is read the Daily Mail. People do that all the time in the United States. I'm like, are you for real? And it's not just because you have guns. You can kill someone with your hands. No, 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 no. We, we, then stop it. Now, I want, I want peace. And I want us to put profit in peace and stop putting profit in war. Period. Well, stop it. I think we have to put all the facts on the table. I, I think we really do. And, uh, so that's why I'm just saying, I, I'm trying to hear, um, all points of views, but I, I don't want any distortion, but there are things that I'm really not aware of, Santita, so that's why I am listening, I'm reading, I am following up with research. Well, that's right. That's why I present that point of view, because you're not going to hear it. Well, you're not going to hear what, what, what Medea Benjamin, Ray McGovern, Seymour Hirsch, what all of these people who find out other information, you're not going to hear them in corporate media, because the corporations make money off of the war. Remember, Donna, you had the number one show on MSNBC, and they pulled him off the air because he was talking about peace when we were about to invade Iraq. So, you know, but Pam, I, I, you wanted to make a comment about the bill just to go on. Yes, I want to say at the city club specifically, we heard the... Um, what many of the candidates said. And I just want to say thank you to Brandon Johnson because he went before all those, I'm going to say millionaire billionaires and well-to-do, and he said to them, we are in a tale of two cities. 
and I didn't hear his full comments, but at least he addressed that issue. And I was waiting for some candidate to make that statement, to talk about the racism and the divide that still exists in Chicago. And some of them are feeding on that and trying to perpetuate it, and others want to deal with it. So I thank candidate Brandon Johnson for that. And let me be clear, that is who I support. Well, All right, amen. Well, he'll be there tomorrow. I know, and that and that's why I'll be trying to do some political work for. So wherever I'm needed, I'm. Cam, are you there? Oh my goodness, she dropped. Darn it, you know, because I didn't drop Pam, but you said your call called in, the board operator, uh, because, uh, okay, Shapiro, I got a couple of minutes before we go to break. What's on your mind? Yes. Uh, I definitely want to talk about this mayoral race because, Santita, it's two pressing questions, one for me personally, that have not been answered. Uh, The Intercept actually published an article uh, last weekend about the fact that um, the mayor's office is not being transparent currently with uh, some of the uh, uh, inspector general reports. For my case in specific, uh, for the Courtney Copeland, they refused to release the full IG report, as well as also Anjanette Young. Uh, and both of these cases are high-profile cases, and they have withheld the, uh, the internal um, general's uh, recommendations, as well as the full report. So one of the questions that I think that should be asked from the mayoral candidates is, are they willing to automatically re- release the full uh, IG reports if they come in office? Okay, hold on one second. Are you are you on an earpiece? No, I'm on speaker though. You want me to come off speaker? Yes, absolutely. So we can hear you. Com- so we can hear you completely. I'm sorry. And so uh, basically, Santita, with these IG reports that they're withholding, it it basically gives uh, information about um, the cases in in general, why it was the box raid for Anjanette Young, uh, what happened, who was involved. Same with Courtney's case. It gives all that information as well. And so I think the public should be made aware of what's happening in the city. And that's an important question for the mayor. And also, how can we have a sanctuary city for the immigrants, but we have a massive homeless population? And so they have taken over, I think, a Wadsworth school for the Ukrainian mm-hmm. and, um, immigrants. And, and we have a homeless population right here on, on Kedzie and, um, and Chicago Avenue who are living in tents. And we have how you know what? illegal immigrants in, in our building. I don't understand. But you know what? Oh, I do. As the thing is, we're playing games. The fact is, there are millions upon millions of empty uh, of empty apartments in the United States. This is a false choice. The thing is, we can house we can house everybody if we had a mind to do so. So let's just absolutely, absolutely. Understand that. Understand that. Just understand that we can house everybody. Thank you, Stanley, for uh, for correcting me. New beginnings is on King Drive. Okay. Um, 66 and King Drive. So everybody, please be there tomorrow at 10 o'clock. Get there just before because we're going to begin the debate promptly, the the discussion promptly at 10 o'clock. But the thing is, you know, 
The thing is, we can take care of the homeless, and we can take care of the people who are coming to the United States. We can do both. And let's be very clear, they're being shoved into the United States, not because they want to be here, but we've created, we've reached so much havoc in their homes, they have no choice but to get out of there. Not to mention the fact that we're still, we are looking to put them to work for nothing. Think about that, Chabrol. We now have a whole new group of people who can come here and work for nothing, or for little or nothing. Because that's, that's what this is about. You know, America's never gotten over that disease, you know, to have unpaid or poorly paid workers make a few people wealthy. we got to stop that. And we have to stop blaming these workers like we blame black people for the problem of oligarchy. Stop it. If we, if, we, if we wanted to house people, we would do that. And we could house everybody. Let's talk about Tyree Nichols in just a few minutes on the Santita Jackson Show. This is the Santita Jackson Show. We do have Congressman Connor. I'm so glad that he's with us today. But before I get to him, I want you to know that if you're selling your home or if you're purchasing a new home and would like to save thousands of dollars, you need to call Team Hochberg, your trusted local lender. Team Hochberg is offering everyone a perks and work program and use through the end of April. And through that program, you will save thousands upon thousands of dollars. Let me tell you how it's going to work. When a Team Hochberg affiliated realtor sells your home, they'll reduce their fee up to 1%. When a Team Hochberg affiliated realtor helps you to purchase a home, you will receive up to 1% of their commission as a closing cost credit. That's thousands of dollars. And Team Hochberg will credit their loan origination fee and their affiliated attorney will reduce their fee. Thousands of dollars, everybody. A couple saves close to $9,000 using this Perks at Work program, and it could be you. So I want you to reach out to Team Hochberg at 855-56-DAVID, 855-56-DAVID, or visit them at 56david.com so that you can save your money. You know what we're going to be talking about, Tyree Nichols. Um, we're going to do that on Monday because I did, we were finally able to get Congressman Cotter. I know he's very busy, but he's had a whole lot going on, and I'm so glad that he's with us today. Congressman Ro Connor, how are you? You've been late, and uh, I, you know how much I love you and uh, love your family. Love your brother, who's off to an amazing start. Jonathan Jackson taking Congress by storm and uh, excited uh, about being on. Well, thank you for being his mentor. It means so much to him to have you guiding him through Congress. I mean, I was just talking to him about that just a couple of days ago. He said, you know, he said, you know, my colleague has really helped me to understand this place because it's a different thing. Oh, he doesn't need my guidance. He's here to... He, he's already emerging as a a major voice on uh, so many uh, key issues of civil rights, voting rights, economic justice, and uh, you know we're going to be uh, uh, soon traveling together to to some of the uh, countries overseas uh, 
and uh, standing up for human rights. So he's just such a great addition to the Congress, and uh, it's, it's great partnering with him. Well, so are you, and I have to tell you, I have been so excited to watch your emergence as well as the emergence of other Indian Americans who are uh, who are being put in charge of committees, subcommittees. This is a very, very exciting time, and to see you cue so cute so closely to progressive principles, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to see. I have to get right to this because I, I just, you know, I'm so excited to be able to talk with you this morning. Um, there's a lot of speculation about Senator Dianne Feinstein and who might take her seat. And then there's speculation about election 2024. You know you're one of my favorite people on earth. I can't, I can't not say that. Are you, are you considering running for the U.S. Senate? Um, it would be so wonderful to see you there because you can always run for president. I mean, that's a great thing. But are you considering running for president? I mean, I, I, I mean, you know, you know how much I, I, I love you. I'll tell you where I am at both. Uh, on the Senate race, uh, one of my closest friends, and someone who I've long admired, is Barbara Lee. And we're neighbors. Mm-hmm. And what I have said is uh, if she gets in and, and, and puts together a strong campaign, uh, then I'm going to be for her. And she's looking at uh, putting it together. If she doesn't, okay. for some reason, then we'll take a strong look at it. But I, uh, you know, I, I think it's important for someone from Northern California, where we're both from, a strong progressive to win. And I've She's really been a men, men, genuine mentor and someone I admire. So that's where I'm there. But I, I continue. Look, I have an incredible district in Silicon Valley. And as you know, I've been going around the country uh, trying to create jobs in HBCUs. We're, we're doing yeah. something at Bedick College on April 14th. I've been pushing for manufacturing. And, you know, the, the, uh, I'm happy with the work I'm doing and we'll continue to build. Well, you know, because indeed you have been, you have paid special attention to historically black colleges and universities, really helping Silicon Valley to look at these historically black colleges and universities for the tremendous talent that is there. Just very quickly, why did you want to direct the attention of Silicon Valley to HBCUs? Well, Sadita, it's not charity and it's not philanthropy. It's what you said. There's incredible talent there. There's incredible ambition there. There's incredible energy there. But people are disconnected from the opportunities. You know, when I taught at Stanford, uh, my students at times would get funding before they had an idea. And I was visiting some of these HBCUs down uh, uh, at Benedict and, and uh, uh, at Claflin. And, you know, what, what I found so uh, sad is you saw the uh, talent, the energy, the vision, uh, but the doors were not open, and there's a disconnect. And we've created this program uh, with Google at uh, uh, Benedict, with Zoom at Claflin, we're uh, doing something up in Mercy College, up in New York, uh, and a number of other HBCUs, Jackson State in Mississippi. And what? And it's a win-win. The, the students are getting sixty-five, seventy thousand dollars jobs. They get a five thousand dollars stipend to participate. Uh, and these tech companies are getting extraordinary talent. So we've got to just scale this. And I, I think we should have a goal of a million digital jobs for black and brown Americans by uh, 2025 uh, if we could scale the program. Mm, everybody's doing great work at HBCUs. To pivot, um, increasingly Americans are looking 
at a lot of issues overseas, a lot of issues overseas. And let me, you are about to go to Asia, specifically to Taiwan. Uh, why, why Asia? Why now? Um, what do you hope to accomplish on this visit? Well, well, well Tina, you're breaking some news here. I guess it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been, it's been uh, very constructive. We're, we're, oh, we're, 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 yeah, but I, I, you know, I, I what I said is, it's, uh, I'm on the China Select Committee and, uh, and leading this delegation with Jonathan to, to Taiwan. I mean, obviously, we have to. To, to, to be have a strong relationship with Taiwan, we get so much of our semiconductor chips there. And this isn't just a tech issue. I mean, your car has semiconductor chips. Or the phones we're talking on have it. Uh, so we need to build that relationship. Make sure that there's sufficient deterrence, uh, so there's no invasion. Uh, but I have said that I am also going to go uh, to China this year uh, because I mm-hmm. don't think that we need a cold war with China. I think we have to be very clear that. We want to bring our jobs back. We've got to have industry here, not export our jobs. But, you know, I, I, I come, as you know, from the tradition of, of Gandhi. My grandfather spent four years in jail with Gandhi in the 1940s, and I don't want the 21st century to just devolve into a Cold War with China. I think we also have to have engagement. So uh, I may be, and maybe your brother will take it up and uh, going on a second trip with me, and I may be one of the few members of Congress who goes to Taiwan and then also goes to China. Mm, we're talking with Congressman Ro Khanna about the Senate. We're talking about the presidency. We're talking about really looking at um, having peace and have and normalizing, as you would say, rebalancing these relations. When you talk about rebalancing the relations with China, with the with Asia, what do you mean? I mean, look, this is something that your father, Bob Bluntley, was talking about in the 1980s when Wall Street and corporate greed were shipping off our jobs. They were shipping off our jobs. And by the way, it happened first to black America, uh, and no one really cared other than people like William, Ju- William Julius Wilson, who talked about jobs leaving places like Chicago, like Philadelphia, our manufacturing base being hollowed out. And some people like your father, Jesse Jackson, warned about that. They said, you can't, for corporate greed, for Wall Street profit, sell uh, all our production off to the cheapest labor, the places. But for 30 years, we watched, and it happened. And now we have one of the biggest trade deficits with China. We've got to bring that industry, the steel, the aluminum, the semiconductors, the textiles, back. We've got to invest in these jobs in the United States, and we can with technology. So when I tell you about rebalancing, I'm saying that China has to be uh, fair, that, that, that they need to be buying stuff from us. If we're buying stuff from them, we've got to lower the trade deficit. That doesn't mean that we rush to have a war there over Taiwan. And I think the, the statesmanship and diplomacy is balancing the two, We're figuring out how we get the economic conditions right without rushing to war. Mm, we're talking with Congressman Rokana about, I think, a sane way of approaching our international policy. I think we have to go beyond calling it foreign policy, uh, Congressman Connor, to call, calling it international policy because foreign is, you I know, right. I love that. You know what I mean? It's, it's not other. So these are really our brothers and sisters overseas. And I think that if we changed 
of language, I think a lot of things would change. And that's why I was struck by the fact that you said, wait a minute, you were talking balance. You were talking like like someone whose grandfather worked with Gandhi. You were not talking like someone who was pushing for war. I mean, talk to me about, about well, then, do you think that Secretary Blinken, do you think that we moved too fast not to have this engagement with China but behind uh, this debacle about the balloon that was got out of the sky? From China? I think two things. One, I think the president acted responsibly in how he handled the balloon incident, which is we shot it down as we should. We shouldn't have a, uh, a, an alleged spy balloon traversing the United States and not take consequences. But for these Republicans to say, oh, he should have shot it down over the continental United States. What, do you want him to shoot it down over Lake Michigan or over uh, on, on, on uh, Michigan Avenue in Chicago? Come on. I mean, he shot it down when it wasn't going to hurt people uh, and when it wasn't going to risk civilian lives. And we've got to make it clear to the Chinese that they can't be sending balloons across American airspace. But that doesn't mean we stop talking to them. I mean, even at the height of the Cold War, we were talking to the Russians and I don't want a cold war with China. So I do think uh, it's fine for a cooling off period. But I think Secretary Blinken eventually uh, should go to China and we have to engage. Uh, you know, Santina, wouldn't it be such a tragedy in the 21st century if all we can do is replicate the paradigm of the 20th century? And if we end up having a cold war between two powers and you think, couldn't humanity do better than that? I mean, that's what leadership is all about. And so, yes, we've got to make sure we're fair on the economics. They can't be taking our IP. They've got to be uh, buying from us. They can't be taking all our jobs and production. But we also have to have diplomacy on climate change, on arms control, on making sure we don't rush to war. I hear a through line with you um, that moves us to peace, that moves us to engagement. Um, by going to Taiwan, by going to China, speaking to balance, looking at an international policy, not a foreign one, um, you know, saying, wait a minute, let's behave responsibly, you know, this balloon, you know, shooting it out the sky. There was, you know, what do you want? Do you want all the debris to fall on people? I mean, that's just crazy. But I also see you talking about, um, I see you, you're a member of the squad, and your, your politics, you know, I, I love them. They're just very, very progressive. But you've been willing to stand, step out um, and without stepping on people, and particularly when we talk about peace. And you've taken some heat from it from some quarters. You've been cheered by others when you have talked about peace with respect to, as we look at Ukraine. I mean, you know, it's like the war that... It just keeps on giving. You know, it's like, when will this end? Even Henry Kissinger, no one's peacemaker, is saying we've got to negotiate our way out of this. There's got to be an, there's got to be an end here. And I want to know uh, what your what your thinking is about that at this time, and just why it is that you push toward engagement, and what are the benefits of peace, Congressman Kana? Well, I'm sure, as, as we thought before, Sethita, my philosophy is based on how I was raised and my grandfather's legacy. But here's what I have said. I mean, obviously, Putin is clearly in the wrong, and it was an unprovoked war. It's a brutal war. It's an inhumane war. 
we have to stand up against a country that is uh, violating the territorial sovereignty of another nation. Or if we didn't do that, the whole rules-based international order is threatened. And other countries would say, okay, we could just go gobble up uh, Taiwan or we could gobble up a, a small country. So we were right to stand with Ukraine. We're right to be providing uh, Ukraine with arms that I have uh, voted for and will continue uh, to vote for. But the, but the Ukrainians have, 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 are succeeding. I mean, people thought Kiev would fall in three days. They're all military thoughts that. People thought that Russia would be able to just march in. Russia has failed. Uh, the Ukrainians are, are winning. The Ukrainians have figured out uh, how to stand up for their own sovereignty. And they're winning in part because of the United States assistance and President Biden's uh, leadership and Blinken's leadership with NATO. Now the question is, okay, how do we land the plane? Do you want just uh, thousands of civilians dying indefinitely? Because the Russians will uh, be doing this for years. They get out. They don't have any regard for human life. They, they just, you know, look at how they won World War II. I mean, they can, they'll just keep putting people uh, on the battlefield. And all I have said is that while we support Ukraine, we have to keep the lines of communication open uh, with Russia, that we have to uh, make sure that we're involving third parties to have a just uh, negotiated settlement at some point. Now, I, you're right. I got attached to that. Uh, and I said, what is the alternative? Is the alternative just to have a perpetual war and civilians die? And, or is there some uh, way to land this plan? And I, I actually think President Biden and his administration, fortunately, are keeping those lines of communication open. Hmm. Let's talking about keeping the lines of communication open. What about uh, this sharply divided Congress that you're in? Um, how do you plan to? I mean, is your goal to walk to walk and work across the aisle? I mean, how is this going to work? I mean, the, your speaker is a vote away from being put out of office. I mean, how is this supposed to work? Um, well, I, I think we've got to work, find ways uh, to, to, to find some common ground on issues where we can, uh, you know, bringing manufacturing back, uh, figuring out uh, how uh, we prepare for uh, AI and cybersecurity, uh, figuring out uh, what it's going to take to uh, have better vocational education for people who don't go to college, apprenticeships. But, you know, I mean, it's a very extreme Congress. I mean, they're talking, as the president pointed out, about cutting benefits, cutting Social Security or Medicare. Uh, make, they, they, they are kind of defaulting on the debt, uh, taking away our right to, to, to choose women's bodily autonomy. So it's, a, it's an extreme moment. And a lot of the Congress is going to have to be defensive as well, standing up uh, for our values. Do you see any Republicans who might move in the Democratic direction um, or just move in the direction of not having America go into default? I mean, let's back up, you know, Mr. University of Chicago graduate. <laughs> what would happen if America goes into default? Why don't you tell us that first? Well, it's very simply. It's like if you... Uh kept accumulating credit card bills, you all kept buying stuff, and then you never you never paid for it. Uh, you know, as a person, you'd have to declare bankruptcy. That's 
basically what the United States would be doing. Uh, we'd be saying we're not paying money we owe. And uh, what would that do? Well, now, you think more people are going to want to lend money to us, uh, uh, either in the United States uh, or overseas? No. So where interest rates would spike, uh, and that would cause uh, a massive recession and a massive deflation of, of, of the market. It would be an economic uh, catastrophe. We'd basically be manufacturing the kind of recession we saw right before President Obama assumed office if we really defaulted. It's unthinkable. And I, I, I am confident that the president won't let us default. But I'm not confident in my Republican colleagues that they may take before a unilateral action because, well, you'll have 10, 15 Republicans saying the right thing. But so far, at the end of the day, they stick with the uh, uh, McCarthy. They all voted for McCarthy at the end of the day, even the moderates. They all voted to kick Ilhan Omar off the Foreign Affairs Committee, a totally unprincipled vote. Even the moderates fell in line and voted to kick her off just because she was uh, had a perspective on human rights that they disagreed with. Uh, so, you know, I, I don't I'm not holding my breath that the Republicans are going to uh, see the light on this. But that's that's a frightening prospect to go into default, even to take us to the water's edge is very dangerous. I mean, we've got a lot of big issues that we're looking at. I mean, as you see them, what are some of will you be able to make any legislative headway this year and next year? Do you foresee that happening? Well, you know, I. uh I, I do foresee there being uh, some legislative headway uh, on uh, privacy and on the uh, Internet. Uh, the uh, reality is that some of these platforms, as you know, Santita, have been manipulating our kids, have been uh, sending our kids uh, awful uh, information uh, and they need to be regulated. We can't have kids uh, facing suicide, facing depression uh, on social media platforms. And we need to have our privacy protected online. I've been pushing an Internet Bill of Rights. The president called for that at the State of the Union. And I'm, I'm hopeful that uh, we will uh, have progress there. Well, you know, what about, um, I mean, just... You know, Elon Musk has taken a lot of heat um, just, for, well, for owning Twitter. You know, and everybody's got their political perspective. He's, um, let's say he has been adventurous politically, or certainly he's been a questioner, okay? Uh, but he has, Matt Taibbi has been writing, you know, what they call the Twitter file, really speaking to censorship. You know, we're trying to figure out how to handle this behemoth called social media, called the Internet. And um, what about really what censorship? I don't know any other way to put it. I mean, because it seems like some information gets out and other information gets held back. How is that, how is that keeping us free? Well, you know, Sadina, I was part of the Twitter files, actually. They sent an email that they, they highlighted where I was uh, emailing Twitter before Elon Musk told, took it over, saying you can't censor. You can't, uh, whether, you know, you can't censor the New York Post. The New York Post has never written a kind article about me. 
always write negative articles, but you can't censor it. But here's the thing, Cynthia, and it's important, I think, for your listeners to understand this. The censorship that's taking place is not uh, uh, just of conservative voices. A lot of voices on the left, a lot of progressive voices, a lot of people who question American foreign policy are also censored on those platforms. So what I said is, let's make sure that you are not censoring any viewpoint, whether that's the left or the right, but at the same time, uh, don't conflate censorship with the prevention of hate speech or violence. I mean, yes, we don't want censorship, but at the same time, it's perfectly fair, perfectly appropriate to take down uh, speech that is threatening violence against people or that is engaged in, uh, in, in blatant racism. Uh, that's not speech. So uh, that's not quality speech. And uh, I, I, I think that's the balance we have to strike. Well, that's why, look, that's, a, that's my Congressman Kwana. Uh, he would be in the Twitter files. Because you, I mean, you take the principal position, which you do all the time. I've got less than a minute, and I want to give the balance of my time to you. Is there anything that's been left unsaid today, Congressman Kwana? Well, I just think, Peter, that, you know, people are understandably upset and frustrated and fearful for our country and the polarization. And I would just say two things. One, we've got to rebalance the economy for the working and middle class. Since the 1980s, the working and middle class have lost 25% of wealth. We've got to bring our production back, bring our manufacturing back, and also make sure that we're supporting unions, that we're increasing wages, that we're getting child care, uh, universal health care, Medicare for all, free public college to invest in our people. And then we've got to have a hopeful vision still about uh, uh, our democracy. I, I do believe we're going to become this multiracial democracy. And, uh, you know, so every time I see your brother and other new members, I, I know that's the future. It's not what we're talking about now. We're going to have a very ugly 2024 election. It's going to be an election about the past. But eventually, this country will emerge as a, as a multiracial democracy we're supposed to be. Congressman Ro Connor, everybody. Follow him, follow him. He's doing great things, and there are great things that await him in the future. I'll see you tomorrow, everybody, for the Rainbow Push Mayoral Forum. I cannot wait to see you at 10 o'clock at New Beginnings. Thank you, L. Stanley Davis. It's at 66th and King Drive, the New Beginnings Church. Pastor Floyd Brooks is our host. Can't wait to see you there tomorrow at 10 o'clock. God bless you, everybody.